Falls to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the sit, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthews hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Well, Julian, we are that. And we're going to celebrate the football life of a wonderful Australian in just a couple of moments. And as I said, uh, all throughout the series in the last three years, you people, you've said you like this. So we're going to give you a real treat today. And let's see if you can guess who it was, because the VFL AFL is a wonderful Australian game and thousands of men have played the game at this, the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. And a select few like our guest today make a lasting impression that will be indelibly recorded in the history of our great game forever. This man played 253 games for the West Coast between 1990-2002. Listen to this. Five-time All-Australian, dual premiership player in 1992 and 94, a Norm Smith medalist, I'll give you a clue, from the wing with five goals in 1992. And one of the proudest days of this man's life with his family was when he was inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. Do you know? You're right there, Boris. It is Peter Matera. And it's lovely to speak to you across the Nullarbor this morning. Peter, good morning to you. Yeah, you too, Rex. A great career, uh, but before we get on to where it all started with you as a kid in shorts, kicking the footy and, you know, looking up to some of your heroes, uh, Mick Malthouse is now the most famous coach in the game. Uh, does this surprise you at all? No, not really. Um, you know, Mick's passion when he first came to us, just the way he coached, his knowledge, um, and for what he's achieved over his career... Um, he's done a great, you know, great job not only for um, VFL but AFL as well. Tell us about your first impressions of Mick. Um, did he did he replace John Todd or the big bloke from Fitzroy at Ron Alexander? I uh, I think it was John Todd. Yes. And and what was your first impressions when you first met the feisty little Premiership player from the back pocket at Richmond? Yeah, a bit scary at first because. Um, <laughs> You know, the people told me you know, where he came from and uh, what he did on a footy field and so forth. So for myself as a country boy, I'm laid back and um, I just go with the flow. Um, so I was surprised in a way of just to have a conversation with him, but well, well respected in um, what he had to give me. I spoke to Glenn Jakovic at a function last year at the AFL and he said the respect was there because he was a premiership player. I know today it doesn't matter, you know, when we've got Philip Walsh starting off at 57 and we've got Rodney Ede going back to the Gold Coast at 60, all that type of thing. But uh, you would know as a dual premiership player, and so would uh, Jacko, you know, that, that it is a pretty good credential, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, and to play finals, you've got to, you've got to really have a great bond, and he had a great bond with us. He had the trust. Uh, we had trust in him, and he had trust in us, and... Um, we knew what we had to deliver because the, the, you know, the, the information that he gave us regarding uh, Melbourne and the footy ovals over there, how we had to play and how we had to become as a team. Yeah. Um, the knowledge was just so much, so big for us. 
you know, when you're my age, you only hang around with old people and your memory's not that good, but you can actually bulldoze to the young people because they have no idea who you are. So I played 700 games, kicked 1,000 goals, so I was okay. But on that particular, I reckon the biggest spray I got was from Barassi in a state game that I played for the Big V in the early 70s. And then, uh, you know, those premiership glory years with Hapy, he wasn't bad. But a few of the blokes said that Mick was right up there with a spray. Do you have any memories? Not fond. Oh yes, mate. Um, we played Rich. We played Richmond at the MCG one day, and um, I had a real bad day. Um, and I think um, we all we all had that. But he pinked out myself um, as the culprit of losing the game. So he put me out the front in front of all the boys. Uh, I had to turn my back to the boys and uh, look at the the um, whiteboard. And he just said, "Pretty, put your hand up if uh, if Rude um, dogged it today." And I Good. thought, "What?" You got to be kidding me, you know. I said, "There's other, there's another 18, 19 blokes that went out there as well, you know." So I was pretty shocked and pretty angry. <laughs> you did and, that today. Uh, they'd, be, just... they'd be taking some legal uh, action against you. You couldn't do that, ticket. You can't even uh, raise your voice now. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, and I just turned around. And I said, "Don't you blokes put your hand up because we all played out there, you know." So I just hopped up and just walked straight out. So I said, "No, I don't. I don't want to have any of this," and walked out. And um, I didn't talk to him for about a week and a half, two weeks. Um, but after that, we're good friends. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, look, it's a tough gig because you can please some of the people some of the time. You know, folks, it's my delight uh, and joy to interview Peter Matera today, a legend of the game. There's no doubt about that. And when the history of the game is written, this man will take his rightful place. Gee, he played some good games when I was broadcasting across the Nullarbor to 6PR from 3AW, but none better than the 1992 grand final that I called with Shane Healy. Uh, a Norm Smith medal, five goals from the wing. Tell us about the week leading up because it was a po- a, probably a left-of-centre decision to play on the same wing all day and not change. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much um, myself and Maney, um, Chris Mainwaring, we decided that when, you know, his side that he was playing on was a bit softer and um, the side that I was playing on was a bit more drier and um, you know I could keep my feet and uh, move pretty freely on that side. So... We made we made pretty much like uh, just an agreement to say I'll stay on one side all day and and go from there. But I think it was just mainly the the bond that we had in in each other regarding how we played and when we played on a on a given day. But that day, we just we just switched on so much that we all believed in each other to um, do our own job and. And I was just lucky enough to um, things fell my way. Yeah, and, and what a game to kick five goals. And, folks, what about the position, the wing? Because a lot of people in my vintage will realise, you know, that I was part of the team that had a centre-line, Burke, Barrett and Clay, one of the most famous centre-lines to play. And when Dick Clay and Francis Burke played together on the wing, they kicked a handful of goals over hundreds of games. I saw Gary Ablett kick five on the wing when Hafey coached Geelong uh, just before you came on the scene. But now it's just, uh, you know, backmen are kicking goals. So the game took a great change for the better. Yeah, massive, massive change. And, um, you know, we we played um, 120 minutes one-on-one footy um, in, in my era. And these days now it's like 18 on eight, 18 zones and there's... Uh, you know, there's so much rules changes now that the game is so fast that they want yeah. to blow the game on. Where you know we had to beat our opponent one on one. There was no zoning. There was no nothing. So, yeah. um, you know, both sides had 18 great or 20 great players playing on a given Sunday and had to beat that person on that day. So, otherwise, you wouldn't get a chance of uh, winning that game. So, it was it's it's changed a lot. 
but it's uh, it's changed for the better, I'd say. You know, I, I reckon a useless argument is saying, oh, would he get a game today? Well, he's not playing today. And back then, well, like before you came along, you know, I used to catch the tram to Victoria Park and uh, I'd be spat on and that was just before the game. You know what I mean? And you had plenty of lockouts. You went to Windy Hill and Sheedy tied the sock down and that sort of thing. It's about, <laughs> it's about the moment. And I tell you what, I reckon the West Coast Eagles had a pretty good era and don't worry about them playing today because they've got what a lot of blokes won't get and that's premiership glory and friendships for life. Yeah, that's it, mate. The, the bond that we had, like I say, the bond is so strong with us because it was more or less WA versus Victoria and, and it was like um, it was us against them. So every time we flew on the plane, we, we you know, we... Um, we slept in the hotel, we, we ate together, so we came like a family. So yeah. whatever, we, whatever we did on the footy field, we did off the field, so that bond was so strong. So when we played, and we were playing against um, you know, Collingwood at Victoria Park, and you know, playing there back in those days, the crowd was just one-eyed. So you know, the pressure that we had on, if you made a mistake, the crowd would, would just jump on you. So yes. the pressure that we had to perform, and consistently perform, um, it was massive, so we had to come really close together to uh, to win over there, and that and that's pretty much what we did. Peter Matera is a star, folks, of our great Australian game, and he's a champion of the game from coast to coast. There's no doubt about it. Now, before we take a break and come back and get into the nitty gritty, uh, tell us about your early years as a kid. Uh, who did you look up to? Did you have heroes? And did you did you have the uh, ubiquitous piece of newspaper rolled up and you kick it around? Did you, did you have fantasies and and dreams of what you achieved when you were a kid? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, born and bred in the country, and you know, they're uh, you know used to watch winners on TV back then, and and Hawthorne was my uh, was my team that I followed um, through my junior days. Wow. Um, we used to play footy on a on a gravel pitch out the front on our. Um, um, the road going into our driveway, so we used to have the telephone poles as our goalposts, and the neighbours neighbours will pick a side. So all the all the kids from the neighbourhood will, will form a side, and, and and we'll split it in half, and maybe go and play a game of footy. You'll end up with gravel rashes and all that sort of stuff. But you learn to how to not to go to ground, and you know not to uh, not to fall over because otherwise you're going to get hurt. So all those type of things. But I I grew up playing uh, senior footy at, at 15, uh, wow. playing against men back in in the country, and I think that helped me a lot. Uh, my transition to South Fremantle and, and then on to the AFL, but yeah. the passion, the passion of playing AFL, that was that was the um, the ultimate for a, for a country kid to to watch. You know, Miles um, Rioli and all those guys running around. That that pretty much um, you followed all your junior life, and you just wanted to be like that. And I guess when my brother left um, Wagen and went up to South Fremantle, and then he got drafted to West Coast. Which one was this? Several. Which one was this? That was Wally. Wally, Wally yeah. Went to, yeah six, Wally six, went to, and then Philip, Philip six years younger and Wally six years older and you in the middle. So mum and dad took their time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> worries, mate. There's uh, all up. There's seven boys and one girl. So, they, uh, <laughs> so no televisions back down there in southern uh, Western Australia. <laughs> there was, mate. They always, always turned off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to take a break and come back and just uh, follow the career of this great man on the uh, on the wireless today, uh, Peter Matera, folks. And please stick around. There's plenty more to come. And uh, check us out on Twitter at Rex Football Life. The only thing that Twitter's here is a canary, and he's not 100%. He's old like me. And Peter Matera will join us after the break for Tobin Brothers Funerals. We're celebrating the footy life of a great champion. Yeah, 
You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And with a champion both on and off the field, Peter Matera, who uh, was inspired by a lot of our Indigenous people, particularly Morris Rioli, and he's inspiring young Indigenous people to make the best of their life both on and off the field. And particularly in small business, he has put his days on the AFL arena to very, very good use. 253 games for the West Coast, dual AFL Premiership player, Norm Smith medalist, AFL Hall of Fame. It's all fantastic. Tell us about a young man going to South Fremantle. Gee, there were some good names at South Fremantle in those days. Did you feel overawed when you first got there as a young kid? Yeah, certainly. You know, growing up, you had Nicky Winmar, Miles um, Rioli, Stephen Michaels, um, Noel Carter, you had Basil Campbell. There's just names that were just unbelievable in a way. Um, um, you know, you've watched ABC and you used to watch the TV and you see South Fremantle playing Claremont, but Stephen Michaels used to have a family member that used to live a um, couple of doors up from us, and he used to come down and visit sometimes, and I was just a reward just to see him there in person, and, and then actually to go up to South Fremantle and, and, and to be there and, and wearing their jumper. There's yeah. so much pride in, in, in that jumper that, um, you know, I just wanted to be there, and it was a bit daunting for me at first, coming from the country. I was a bit homesick, but once I got to the city and, and um, you know, got my feet on the ground type of thing, and just wanted to play footy at the highest level. Gee, you sound well, and I hope that's the case. Uh, there are some people that I respect, and well, most people I respect in the industry. If those that don't, you just move on and get on with it. You don't react. But the thing about it is a lot of good judges who have played the game and a few good judges who have covered the game as journalists and radio and television people say that you're right up there with the greatest wingman of all time. How does that sit uh, from the on the shoulders of the young man who dreamed one day to be as good as you were down south of Perth. How does that sit with you, Peter Matera? Uh, look, Rex, I think, um, you know, looking back on my career, I, all I wanted to do was just play at my, my, my best um, and make a make a stand over in Victoria because that was home of, of football, I believed. Um, and for a West Coast Eagles player to, to go over there and, and perform, I just wanted to show that I could play at the highest level anywhere in, in Australia. Um, and I guess... Having that accolades from the AFL as a Hall of Famer and so forth, it just everyone that I speak to, you know, says you know how good you were and all that type of stuff. I'm just glad that I was a consistent player and I was able to bring so much joy to not only our supporters but AFL in general. Folks, 80 years ago, Tobin Brothers Funerals was founded by brothers Leo, Fonts, Thomas, and Kevin. The company flourished due to the brothers' vision, hard work and diverse strengths and interests. The first Tobin Brothers branch opened in North Melbourne and these days is home to their head office and their chapel. Today, Tobin Brothers Funerals is still owned by the Tobin family and is a trusted household name with 22 locations and over 190 trained professionals. Tobin Brothers Funerals? Celebrating lives. Yeah, uh, Peter Matera is with us. And why I keep saying that, because I get frustrated, you know, listening to the radio sometimes, and I don't know who it is. If I recognise the voice, I'm okay. But this is Peter Matera. He's a star. And this is your football life with the kindest regards of Tobin Brothers. 
Uh, let's just touch on a thing that at one stage was given an excuse, and that was travelling, Pete. Uh, we used to make an excuse because we went from Punt Road to Cadinia Park. But you travelled all over the nation, and uh, it, it, you, you were just the benchmark for, for travelling. But now, anyone can travel any part of the globe, including New Zealand, and play at your best. Tell us how hard it was at the start for travelling every second week across the nation. It was really hard, Rex. It was like uh, we'd leave if we were playing um, on a Saturday in at Melbourne. We'd leave on a Friday. We'd leave around about lunchtime. Get there at about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. We'd go for a walk in the park before we, you know, then we'd have maybe a small meal. Be about midnight by the time, you know, say one o'clock by the time we go to bed. And you got to wake up and you got a game to play. And then as soon as the game, you play the game, you got to get on the plane and go back home again. So. It was pretty hard, when, especially if you got injured or you got a corky because it takes a lot longer. You know, your legs blow up a lot more on, on the plane. And yeah. um, I think for a group that we knew what we had to do prior and after um, playing a game of footy, we had to live with it because that's the only way that we could have. These days, they go two to three days early um, to, to, to climatise and all that. We didn't have that. Yeah. But they do that now because it's more professional in a way um, they do it as a as a as a job where we, you know, we had a job and we played footy, so it's a big big difference, mate. The match. Yeah. I I noticed that uh, later on in your career you went from the wing to the half back, but we'll get to that. Uh, but but it's now common knowledge that in the 1994 grand final you played with a stressed uh, fracture in your leg. You'd finished second in the Brownlow that year, and of course in 1997. Uh, looking back. Did you know that you really would struggle in that 94 grand final or did you just put that out of your mind like uh, Darren Mullane with his broken thumb? I'm in a grand final. I'm not going to miss out on this because you know better than anyone, Pete. You're a long time out of the game. Oh, certainly, mate. And, I, you know, I wanted to play in that grand final and mixed two weeks prior or three weeks prior when I got diagnosed and I had stress fractures, I was only doing uh, training once or twice a week, you know, not even doing anything, mainly swimming. But Moldhouse just said, I need you to play. Um, we need we need you to play because someone's going to tag you. That's one person that's out of the way. You can do whatever you want to do, but I need you to play. Um, we'll look after you. you. You do what you have to do, but um, we need you up and going and ready for that game. And even I didn't even know that I had stress fractures, you know, right up until that time when the doc said that you've got it, you're going to play with it and all that sort of stuff. And I, yeah. you know, I had, uh, I had, a, I had a, a, um, a guard made up and so forth and, yeah, it was it was in my mind, but it didn't worry me because I I did it for the team because um, that's that's what you do. Yeah, and um, you know, history's you know I played in two grand finals. That's exactly right, and that's what it's all about. Uh, some memorable teammates: uh, Worsfold, McKenna, Sumich, Main, Waring, Jakovic, a very young Ben Cousins. Later on, Glass and the amazing uh, Dean Cox. Uh, there was no shortage of talent uh, across in the West. Did you ever have anyone who came from the eastern states who actually got homesick, or were they just delighted to be at this most progressive of football clubs? Um, I think a lot of guys that came over um, in the early days, they were playing in Victoria, like Peter Wilson, who was playing for Victoria. Then you had uh, Paul Harding and a few others that were over there playing at Victoria, and then they came back to WA because of, um, of Moldas, I guess, one of that... Um, um, that group to be a little bit of um, both ways in a way of of where they've come from and so forth. But I guess with I guess with just with um, Moldhouse's knowledge of of what he could give our players in a way of you know um, 
his just just his knowledge that made us believe that we could be a great footy side, and that's pretty much. And and then our off-field um, group that we had, we had so much of a uh, a bond that whoever came into that system were were glad to be there. They, were, they, they weren't left out or anything like that. We're all all one um, because there was one cause. We wanted to play finals, and that's what we pretty much did. Peter Matera has joined us. He's a champion of the world. There's no doubt about that in the great game called Australian football, making his way with his family in business. And it's a great success story. He's an inspiration to young children right around the nation to have a go. You never know where you might uh, end up. The end comes to the lot of us, but when you thought it was the end, you and Malthouse got together and you actually reinvented yourself on the halfback flank that saw you have a good enough form in those two years to make all Australian. Tell us about how that came apart uh, when you thought you might struggle on the wing with some up-and-coming speedsters. Yeah, I guess the the main reason was when Worsfold went down with his knee, um, Mouldhouse came to me, and and Guy McKenna was was um, had a bad knee as well. But Mouldhouse, I went to Mouldhouse and said, "How about me play on a halfback flank? I can use my run. Um, let's let's try it all out, you know." And he goes, um, "But we, you know, we need more drive. We need you to get up to the forward line and put the ball into the inside fifty. I said, "Yeah, I can still do that, Mick. Don't worry. But give me a chance to have a crack at it, you know." And, and he believed in me, and and I went back to halfback and. I felt really, really comfortable because um, my game pretty much, um, I, I changed my style in a way of, of how I read the play and, and how I could run off and, and penetrate the uh, the forward line the same way I could do on a wing. So um, the transition wasn't wasn't that bad. It was just more that I had to man up. I had to tag someone. But in the other way, I, I had to run off and create as well. So I really um, enjoyed that role. Peter Matera joins us, folks, and we're coming to the end of the show, and I've got so much to speak about, but there's a lot of parents out there who like to make the best advantage of giving their children every support. For those parents and for any kids listening, how much does the the, the positive thinking and the confidence and self-belief play in the development of a young sports person? Oh, massive, Rex, massive. It's You know, everyone grows up as a young kid, Practicing their skills, left side, right side, handball, marking, um, smothering. You know, everyone can play a game of footy, and what happens is, is that they get fit, and they can't get any fit anymore. It's about the, what's between the ears, yeah. your brain, yeah. how you think, and how you can um, create positive thinking about how you're going to play. So I think, you know, you're looking at probably 70% is in the mind, 30% is fitness, because game. These days change every every five minutes, every two minutes, every second. It changes, so you've yeah. got to adapt. So having that that footy brain, that mindset of how you can can create something that out of nothing can change 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 the way you play a game of footy. So, so I believe that yeah. doesn't matter how fit you are, you've got to understand the game of footy itself. Before we wind it up, I just need to to say that I. You're in a good place and you're obviously happy that you were a one-club person, but that nearly wasn't the case in 97. Uh, tell us about the pressure from your senior teammates uh, that uh, just turned you to stay uh, your side of the Nullarbor instead of coming to the big smoke. Yeah, Rex, I was almost on the plane. Um, they were wow. going to give me Norm, Norm, Smith's, medal, uh, Norm Smith's number. Wow. Um, at Melbourne, um, yeah, I was almost on the plane, and, and then I had a secret meeting with uh, Mouldhouse and the and the board of directors at my house. 
But prior to that, I had all my teammates uh, popping around saying, you know, we still want you here, we still want you here. I think in the end, I, I, I got a lot of respect out of my close mates like Worsfold, Jakovich, Mainwaring, Sumich, these guys that I grew up around South Fremantle and East Fremantle area. I've got a lot of respect with them in the way they, they come across to me as, as a close friend, a, a close footy friend, an outside friend. And I think that what changed my mind, knowing that once I do finish, you know, people in West Australia know that uh, I was with them all the way rather than I went away type of thing. So to myself, I just, I, I had a lot of belief in my mates at the footy club and that's pretty much what changed my mind. Well, what a career it's been, and I thank you for your time right across the nation and across the globe by the World Wide Web. It's Peter Matera, a 200-game uh, veteran, a 200-club member, five-time All-Australian, dual premiership club, Norm Smith medalist, AFL Hall of Fame. Uh, in the Indigenous Team of the Century, the VFL-AFL Italian Team of the Century, and also a champion bloke. We thank you for your time today, Peter, and it's just lovely to reminisce on what has been a great career, and we wish you and your family all the best in your future endeavours in business and, more importantly, health and happiness to the lot of you. Yeah, no, thanks, Rex. Thanks for the uh, for the chat, and um, once again, just uh, congratulate on uh, on Mick for um, reaching that milestone, and uh, hopefully he can keep going because uh, he is a great, uh, great coach and a great ambassador to footy um, around the world. That was Peter Matera, folks. And if you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. My old man had turned over in his grave. Rex is Twittering. I tell you what, I've forgotten where I live too, folks. And this has been This Is Your Football Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives.